Hello and welcome to Embassy City Church Podcast. This is a place where all people can experience the love of God through the Word of God. Our prayer is that you will be inspired and transformed. Thank you for joining us today. Um, uh, I brought uh, my friend Nancy Houston, who is a resident, her and her husband Ron are residents of our community, uh, but, but Nancy Houston uh, is also my life coach. She is a neuropsychologist and absolutely brilliant, and uh, she's the reason why uh, I haven't quit uh, pastor in this church, uh, that I haven't cussed in this church. <laughs> Dead serious. Um, uh, once a month, uh, there is a group therapy uh, class uh, uh, and cohort that I get to do life with and uh, be a part of, and I also get uh, one-on-one coaching with her as well. But when I started talking about kind of what this uh, was going to be like, um, she started saying some stuff on the phone to me about my PTSD uh, that I just was like, I can't repeat that. Um, I'm going to need you to say that, because if I try to say it, it's just going to sound weird. So um, I'm, I just want to talk to her for a few minutes um, uh, about what's been going on with me so you all can have it uh, from uh, a very psychological aspect as well. And then there will be Bible, okay? So for all you like really churchy people, like, he didn't read the word. I'm going to read the word. <laughs> okay, trust that. Uh, uh, and, and, then, and then I'll get into the points and all that kind of stuff. Are, are, are we clear so far? about what's going on right now. Okay, good. Would you all please welcome Nancy Houston. Uh, so yeah. This is kind of- So good to see you. Thank you, I love it's you. It's good to be here with you. Has, has, have you ever done this before? Uh, yeah. This is great, right? Uh, yeah, okay. this, I love this. So um, uh, I have been through a lot of trauma, mm -hmm. which you know about. You yeah. know about the sexual trauma I experienced as a child. Mm -hmm. You know about my environmental trauma mm -hmm. that I experienced growing up. And you also know about the spiritual trauma mm -hmm. that is, has gone on in my life as well. So like, what did that do to me? Mm. Could you please tell us yeah, what and, had happened to me? And you know, I'm so interested in this topic because I grew up with a dad who had severe PTSD. He was a World War II vet, and, and then he had head trauma from riding bulls in the rodeo after he got out of the military, right? Which is kind of common, like if we have a trauma, we tend to start repeating them, right? right? And um, so he could be this brilliant, delightful man, and then in a second, he could totally be terrifying and traumatizing and so abusive. And so I grew up with that. Yeah. Our, our environments were different, yes. but had some similarities as what they did to our brains. So what happens to our brains when we're traumatized, whenever you take an experience that is scary or unknown or terrifying um, or confusing, sometimes like spiritual abuse, mm -hmm. it, it's like we hardly have a name for it. We're just like, what just happened? That, that just felt wrong, or that felt creepy, or do, do you know what I mean, right? And something like that happens to us, 
then it really, it really settles in the back part of our brain, our limbic system, which is where we store all our memories and where our fight, flight, freeze, or fold system is. And so what happens is we start losing contact with our prefrontal cortex, this part of our brain, which this is our smart part of our brain, like it's our governor, it's the CEO, it helps us make good decisions, it's the one that is meant to co-create with the Lord, right? We're meant to co-rule with him and make this world a better place. What happens is we get stuck in the back part of our brain. So when something happens, like you may know what I'm talking about, like even in your marriage, and your spouse says something and it triggers you, and suddenly you're like, oh yeah, you want to fight about that? <laughs> or I'm going to run away from you, I'm going to take flight, because now suddenly you are the monster in the room. Or you just fold or you freeze. And that's basically what happens to our brain. And God wanted our brains to communicate from this smart part to the back part, back and forth, back and forth. We have these neurotransmitters. And when we have trauma, it's like there's a traffic jam. And the neurotransmitters start stop moving back and forth. And we don't have access to this beautiful brain that God made for us. And that's how we get stuck back here. We get so stuck back there. So, so can, let me just do a poll real quick. How, how many people would classify themselves based on what you've been through as a fighter? Okay. How many people would, would classify yourself as the person that flees? You run from it. You're like, no, I don't want it. How, how many people freeze? You're like, I don't know what you're, like, I'm a possum. If I stand real still, yeah. right? Maybe all of this will go away if I just stand real still. And then how many people just fold? You're like, I give up. Any, anybody? Okay. You're just like, I don't want to. Okay. And you know, sometimes, yeah. Tim, I can find myself. In all four of those, It depends right? on kind of who I'm relating with. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And other times I'm like, oh, I got to get out of here. I just need to try to be safe. That's really you know? good. So you could write actually... Uh, like, uh, take for instance, you could be a fighter with somebody yeah. that triggers you that may be a subordinate, yeah. but you might be a folder with somebody oh. who's in authority. Well, like, the authority figure in my life was super abusive. Yeah. So I'd just fold and freeze yeah. and try to survive, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So that can be my tendency yeah. with authority figures. I've had to really work on that, right? The thing is, this system is God-given. We're meant to have this system. It's good because, like, if your house is on fire, you need to run. Yeah. Or if somebody's threatening your life, you need to know how to respond to that. It's like um, if a deer is being chased by a pack of wolves, you know, they're going to run like crazy. Yeah. And they're only concerned about three things. Their body, what's going to happen to my body. Time, how much time have I got. Mm. And environment, what's happening in my environment. And then 15 minutes after the chase, and they've survived it, they go back to grazing. The problem is we humans don't. 70% of Americans live in our limbic system, in this memory system where we're in fight, flight, freeze, or fold. And so we get hooked on these stress hormones, Tim. And then guess what? Our body starts demanding Give me more of those stress hormones, man. I'm addicted to those. Come on, give me more. Give me more. 
Give me more. So is this how some people can be addicted to drama? Oh, we get super addicted to drama. Okay. Yeah, we get addicted to crisis. Like, I, because I grew up in so much drama, like when I was an adult, I'm like, you know, I don't know if I need all this drama anymore. Like, maybe life would be kind of cool and peaceful if it wasn't so dramatic. And really, there's nothing that dramatic going on anymore. I'm safe. I live with a safe man. I'm, I have a great family. I, don't, I, I can let this go. But my body was so hooked on those stress hormones. It's like you got to go through detox. So, so that's really good. So, so how, help us with this before I get into the message. How do you... How do you disconnect from it, or, or how do, what are the steps to move on? Right, great question. So, you know, first of all, Tim, I, I think we've got to put a safe group of people around us. And what I mean by safe, so, because here's the thing. If you grow up in abuse, you, you attract it. And so you can find a bunch of unsafe people who are now your friends and your confidants, and then you share something about yourself, like, oh, I was sexually abused when I was five. And they're like, oh, you're fine. Man, that was a long time ago. Like, move on. Like, under the blood of Jesus. Well, that person's not being a safe person for you. You know, so you got to put safe people around you who, are safe, who will go, man, Tim, I grieve with you, buddy. Like, you did not deserve that. That never should happen to you. I am so sorry, and I'm going to sit with you in that, and I want to tell me more. Keep telling me your stories, because we got to get the bad out. Otherwise, we just keep repeating these stories back here over and over and over, and we get addicted to our own negative mood, and then the mood turns into a temperament, and then the temperament turns into our personality. And we just keep replaying these bad stories over and over and over until I'm like, hey, let me tell you my story. And then, so you grieve, you got to grieve. And then you need some safe people to just sit in the sad with you. That's why, Tim, thank you for telling us all, like, don't give me a Hallmark moment today yeah. about Kimmy. Uh-uh, yeah. that's not what I'm needing. Yeah. And I'm not going to be strong for you. Thank yeah. you, that's so healthy. People don't grieve because it's like, well, I gotta be strong for my kids. And it's like, no, you don't. Like, teach them how to be human. Yeah. Right? Like Jesus said, mourn with those who mourn. That's good. You know, if somebody's sad, don't sing a song over them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that's just like salt in the wounds, right? Yeah. So we gotta grieve. We gotta get people to sit with us in the sadness and then people who will comfort us. We gotta have comfort. And then we can start healing. And then we got to help ourselves. We got to help ourselves. Okay? And this is how we help ourselves. Like when those toxic emotional stories start replaying in your brain, which I don't know about you, but, you know, like something can come up for me daily, like, oh, I'm feeling inadequate. And then if I start thinking about how inadequate I feel, I can just, you know what I mean? Anybody with me? You can kind of spiral, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or how, in, see, I'm so insecure. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay, we've got to pray, first of all, for the mind of Christ. Yeah. And for him to help us with transforming our minds, yeah. which is this process. So I think we've got to not try harder, right. but we have to co-labor with him. Right. Like, Jesus, help me. Yeah. Jesus, yeah. help me. Yeah. Right? And then when those negative thoughts start, and you start replaying them over and over and over, 
you got to say, whoa, stop, 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 stop. And if you can't stop yourself, you call a friend and say, hey, man, I am going down the tube here. Will you help me? Can you tell me one thing you like about me? Right? Tell me one thing that's good about me. Because right now I'm feeling like a failure, you know? But if you can't stop yourself, go, hey, time out. I'm going to have some empathy for myself. Let's have some empathy. Like, let's develop a kinder, warmer voice in the place of that critical judge who's just so ready to condemn you and convict you and send you off, right? Yeah, so, so that last one is a big deal for me because you really have to give yourself permission to move on. Like, like other people can't believe it for you and you don't believe it for yourself. At some point you gotta go, you know what? I don't have to actually be like this anymore. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Thank you so much, Nancy. I really appreciate you. Would you all give her a hand? Bless you. If you have your Bibles, go to uh, the book of Acts, chapter number nine. I needed you to have this context so you can understand uh, uh, what I'm going to be talking about. And uh, again, I haven't, uh, my mind hasn't been through the intellectual rigor that Nancy's had, so... I wasn't going to try to act like I'm a deep psychologist. I just brought one <laughs> with me. Uh, it's good to have friends. Uh, Acts chapter number nine. The title of this message, if you're taking notes, is called um, Come Get Your Sight. Come Get Your Sight. Would you say that with me? Come Get Your Sight. Again, Come Get Your Sight. One more time. Come get your Acts chapter number nine. I want to read uh, 23 verses. Deal with that. Um, uh, of uh, this narrative about Saul. Some of you all may be familiar with it, but I want to give you context to it as it relates to how I feel like God's speaking to me and how he may be speaking to you. Here's what it says. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for the cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Isn't it amazing that you could be experiencing something that others are not? That God could be giving you a revelation and sitting right next to you as a person that is not getting the same revelation you are? That's frustrating, especially if you live in the same house. You get in the car, you're leaving church. God, wasn't, didn't, wow, wasn't that transformative? And you're like, man, I'm hungry. And then you're like, you're not even saved. I hate you. Where are we going? Right? Like, so, meanwhile, Saul... 
picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. Uh, He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street. That's great. It was straight, not crooked. To the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man named Tarshish. Uh, As for a man from Tarshish named Saul, he is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest anyone, everyone uh, uh, who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands upon him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. I don't know if they made that sound. I just think it should have. And he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. And immediately, somebody say immediately. Immediately. Say it again, immediately. Immediately. One more time, real loud, immediately. immediately. Immediately, not a week later, not five months later. Not a year later after he went to Bible college. Not after he took some online courses about discipleship. Immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue saying he is indeed the son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation with his PTSD? Among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked, And did he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priest? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful. The Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And after a while, (laughs) some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. Wow. Come get your sight. Saul is a devout believer in God. Follows the Torah to the literal T. Has lived his life so focused on doing the right things, doing them the right way. Having the the, the, the perfect spiritual answer for, for, for everyone that would come across him. And then he, he hears about this Jesus, and he starts hearing about these people that have been impressed by Jesus' ministry. There was a level of anger and frustration that has risen up in Saul because Saul is thinking to himself, um, no. That's not God. This is not a move of God. This is something that is against God. And because it's against God, I must do something about 
it. I have to stop these people and I'll do it myself. This is highly ambitious. To, to, to go to uh, the, the leaders uh, uh, in his sect and to say to them, would you give me a permission slip uh, to go into the synagogues in Damascus and, and, and knock on every synagogue door uh, and find out if there's anybody that believes in Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. If I find them, I have to stop them because this, is, this has to stop. It, it would be like me, uh, who is a diehard Raiders fan, get over it, because uh, I was born and raised in California. I was also, uh, 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 by the time uh, I became consciously aware of football, they were the Los Angeles Raiders. That is my team. I ride with those pirates. Doesn't matter where they go, that's who I'm going to be with, okay? So if they go to Vegas, I am there. If they go to Minnesota, I am there. If they go to the moon, I will be there with them. Ride or die, Raider Nation, we will shank you. Deal with it. All Raiders fans are gangsters. <laughs> they come to the game with a cap and a filed down toothbrush. Just in case. Okay, so. It would be like me now being in Dallas and I'm going to go door to door and go, are you a Cowboys fan? Are you a Cowboys fan? And if you are, then I want you arrested, prosecuted, tried, and if I can get away with it, you given the death sentence because you don't believe like I believe. Because you don't want to do life like I want to do life. Because you don't align the way that I align. And while he is on this mission, he has an encounter with Jesus. Aren't you glad that Jesus will reveal himself to everybody? Like, like, aren't you glad Jesus just doesn't go after nice people with soft hearts who, 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 who are uh, amicable to the gospel? Isn't it amazing that Jesus will show up and appear to murderers and drunks and whoremongers and atheists and agnostics and thieves and crooks? He is an equal opportunity, Jesus. He's not just going after people that, that love him or that are poor in heart that would be open to the message of, uh, of the gospel and the truth. Jesus is actually going after people who hate him, which is completely antithetical to the way we handle our haters. We need to start handling our haters the way Jesus handled his haters. He just appeared to them. Hi. Now, let me tell you the worst type of hater. The worst type of hater is somebody that is actually thinking they are doing God's agenda. That in the name of God, I'm going to hate you. In the name of God, I am going to condemn you. In the name of God, I'm going to judge you. And Jesus has to appear to this incredibly religious guy and go, hey, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Not them. Me. You see how possessive Jesus came? To Saul, he said, I just, I need you to understand something. You're not, you're not persecuting them. You are coming against me. 
and you actually think you're doing me a favor, but you're not. But because you have the wrong lens, you can't see straight. See, the reason why I had Nancy to come up and to talk about what PTSD does is because the thing that I found out after reading this scripture is that PTSD puts a lens over the way you see. And because you're living back here in them words that she said, some about limbic system. Thank you. That thing. Because you're living back there and you can never get back up here. You start projecting an image and living by that image. And that's the only way that you can see. What Jesus is saying is, you don't see me clearly. And, you, and we know that he didn't see him clearly because when he says, uh, uh, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul's response was, who are you, Lord? Could it be that many of us don't even know who he is? Because we don't see him correctly or because we've been spiritually traumatized. And so what we do is we collectively make a big ball out of all of our trauma. And some of the things that were really innocent and pure get glumped up in the ball with all the other traumatic stuff. And so we're trapped in it. Our innocence is trapped in it. Our love is trapped in it. And the only thing that's playing now is cynicism. The only thing that's playing now is, is, is fear. The only thing that's playing now is a defense mechanism. I got a wall up. I don't trust you. I came to visit this church, but don't ask me nothing. Don't look at me too long. I'm traumatized. I don't want no prophetic word. Last time I got one of those, I was messed up for nine months. No more prophecies. Last time I was in a service that I thought was, was, was magnificent, I got robbed. I took up an offering that lasted 45 minutes. They said there was 1,000 people in here that would give $100, but there was only 200 people in the room. And we didn't get out till 12.30 in the morning. No more offerings. Traumatized. So Jesus comes to the rescue. He goes, I don't want you to do, I don't want you to live life like this anymore. You're, 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 you're fighting against me. And, and I know that you've been, you, you have some information that you've been, that, 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 that has been replaying in your mind since you were a child. I, I know you learned a certain way to behave, think, talk, speak, walk. But I really want you to have an introduction with me. And so he can't see anything for three days. He doesn't eat anything for three days. What I love is that Jesus has this encounter with him, but, 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 but Saul's not going to be able to move on until he gets somebody in his life that can help him. I cannot tell you how important it is. I cannot stress it enough how much you need the right type of people in your life. 
You do not need the wrong people to show up and reinforce your trauma. That's what Nancy was talking about. You need the right type of people that are come in and go, hey, I see something different in you. I see something different for you. You are not going to be the same way after I have come through to talk to you. And he sends a guy he doesn't even know. Ananias is minding his own business. He's in his own house, minding his own business. And the Lord says, Ananias, there's a guy named Saul. He's waiting for you. I told him you were coming. How kind is Jesus? He's on straight street. How appropriate. Because when you see when you see through a bad lens, everything is crooked. So he takes away his sight, puts him on straight street, not on front street. He doesn't blast him in front of everybody. Doesn't put him on front street, puts him on straight street. And then he brings somebody in the room who would love him right where he was. That didn't come in talking about, yeah. Thought you was going to kill us, huh? (laughs) Now you can't see. (laughs) He didn't put them around petty people who would rehearse and remind him of his bad filter. He put them around some people that could see the potential on the inside of him and encourage that for it to come out. And he walks up to him and he goes, he goes, Saul. The Lord sent me here to pray for you and to lay hands on you because because God wants to do some significant things with your life. And he lays hands on them. And when he lays hands on them, Scripture says something like scales. That's why, again, y'all know I'm super visual. Something like scales popped out of his eyes like they were contact lenses. It was, I believe, I've always believed this personally, that it was the the, the old wineskin of religion. That's the, only, that's the only filter he could see through. And let me tell you something. There, there, the, the majority of people, if Nancy is saying 70% of people live this way, then, then I have to say that there's a, there's a lot of people in this room that have some scales. There, there, there's some ways that you see based on what you've survived. And let me, can I just tell you something? I'm glad you're a survivor. I am so glad you didn't let it kill you. I'm so glad you still get up every day. I'm glad you didn't swallow some pills and try to go to sleep. I'm glad that you haven't committed suicide. I'm glad that even in a depressed state, you would get up and get dressed and come to the house of God. I am grateful that you have not allowed what you endured to just kill you. But that doesn't mean you have a bad lid, that, that, that you don't have a bad lens. That you, that you might be seeing some things incorrectly. In the same way I did, I, I, the, the, the sexual trauma that I survived and then the environmental trauma that I survived and, and the spiritual trauma that I survived. And let me tell you something, because uh, uh, I don't want anybody trying to fill in the blanks on my, on my life story, okay? It, it, it wasn't one man or one incident. This is 23 years of being in church and, and, being, and being exposed to a whole bunch of toxic, manipulative, controlling, narcissistic witchcrafty, I just made that up, witchcraft with a Y, witchcrafty people. 
And because of that, it has caused me to have some stuff that I'm like, oh, oh, mm, mm, no, oh, mm, 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 don't want to see it, don't want to do it. Mm. Reminds me of that. Mm. And here's what the Lord is saying. You're, you're, you're blocking me. I don't, I don't care what, what, what happened with them. You're blocking me. Because you've lumped what is innocent, what is pure, what is holy, what, what can be a move of God into the same ball as the manipulation, the control, the witchcraft, the narcissism, the bad behavior. And he goes, no, you're seeing through the wrong lens. And nice lays hands on him. Those scales pop out. And as soon as those scales pop out, he's like, Jesus, Lord. Like, like scripture said, immediately. Not like four months later as he began to feel better. Now, let me tell you something. I was in Australia minding my own business, and the Holy Spirit gave me that statement. He said, the way you've led this church is because of PTSD. I went, what? <laughs> Those things. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Listen, when, 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 you, when, when, you, when you see different, this is point number one, please write this down. When you see different, you will act different. It, it's, 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 that's it. Yeah, that's what I wrote. Yeah, when you see different, you'll be different. But you'll also act different. And listen, when you see different, it's automatic. You don't have to wait like, let me just make sure I'm seeing things clearly. I think I'm, let me sit with this for a little. The moment you see it differently is the moment you'll be different. And here's the thing. When you re-enter a room, because we, we, we all have re-entries, dozens of them, some, some of us, hundreds of them. Every single day. You re-enter the same house every single day. Same car every single day. Same job every single day. Same grocery store every single day. But, but what happens when you see different, but you have to re-enter a space that's familiar? Paul had been in Damascus before. He was going to Damascus to persecute everybody. And then the scales fall from his eyes. Now he's re-entering Damascus, a completely different person. Here's, and the only person that knows it at this point is Saul. See, see when, when the only thing you've been is your traumatized self, and then all of a sudden you get a revelation from God and you see things differently, you re-enter the room a different person. But everybody sees you the same. Because they don't know you changed. Paul went into the synagogue, praise the Lord. They were like, ah! <laughs> hey, man. Not ready for all this. What are you doing? What are you doing? He's like, praise God. God is good. He's like, no, nah, this is a trick. You want me to say, Jesus, are you going to arrest me? Because they're used to your traumatized self. Let me give you point number two. Please write this down. When you see different, people will act different. When you see different, you'll be different. But also, when you see different, people will act different. 
And there's three different categories that I want you to, to write down because th these, are, these are the three different ways people are going to interact with you based on this revelation that you're getting. Number one is uh, people will respond with confusion. That'll be their first reaction. They'll just be confused. Because the first thing they're going to say when you say something different from up here than the narrative that you've rehearsed back here, they're going to be like, but that's not what you said yesterday. That's not even what you said this morning. The last thing I heard you say is you wanted everybody that believed in Jesus dead. And now you just said you believe in that Jesus. I'm confused. This is what happened to you if you decide to give yourself permission to walk away from that painful narrative that's been in your head. And you start saying, you know what, I, I'm just not, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to categorize myself anymore as this, this, or this. I, I, I've decided that, that, that I'm going to put some people around me and I give myself permission to be a different type of person. People are going to go, I'm confused by you. If you've been the type of person to flee situations, like every time that, like, there, there's confrontation, you flee, no. And then one day you go, let's, well, let's talk about it then. That person's going to be confused. Like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Let, let's talk about it right now. They're going to be like, I thought you, I'm used to you running. Well, I just decided to stop running. What you got to say? <laughs> people are going to be confused. Which brings me to point number two. The second reaction people will have with you is they will congratulate you. People will go, congratulations, because there are some people that have been waiting for you to stop being traumatized. <laughs> They're going to be like, yay, no more trauma. Cue the song. I'm so happy you're not traumatized anymore. I always knew you could do it. These are the people that, that, that fall in love with you even more because they're like, I'm so happy that you're different. This is so amazing. I've been praying for you. I believe that God could do it for you, and he did it for you. I am so happy. Yay, you. They're, they're going to congratulate you because they've been praying and interceding, and, and they've wanted to see God do something like this for you. And the fact that it's happening, can you imagine the relief of the people in Damascus when Paul showed up? You know, some people had to be praying, please don't let this man come kill us. Please come, don't let this man come. But, but maybe they, the thought of their prayer was maybe he'll just detour and go to another city. Could you imagine how ebullient they would have been? Big word means zestfully enthusiastic. Look it up. It's great. E-B-U-L-L-I-E-N-T. I can spell it, too. Um, Yay, Saul, not only does Saul not go to a different town, he showed up and he's with us. Ah, party. They're going to congratulate you. Here's the third type of reaction you're going to get. Contempt. And you got to be able to deal with all three of these. This is good, huh, Nancy? Yeah. That third one, contempt. There's going to be some people that have a problem with you not looking through the same lens anymore because you looking through that old lens benefited them. You looking through that old lens served an agenda. It served a purpose. 
they, 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 they could do some things with you because you were traumatized. And, and so, and so it, whether you wound up enmeshed or codependent with each other and y'all just fed each other's dysfunction, the fact that you're choosing not to live like that anymore, so there's going to be some people that are angry with you. That's why I had to read verse 23, because verse 23 let us all know there were some people that were not happy with Saul. And the people that were not happy with Saul having this conversion are the same people that loved Saul prior to his conversion. There's some people that are in love with the dysfunctional you. <laughs> Which means freedom is going to cost you some relationships. Because as long as you were traumatized... The relationship was good, but now you talking back? Now you're ready for the confrontation? Now you want to have the discussion? Now you want to get your life right? Now you want to be consistent? You're not going to fight anymore? You're not going to run anymore? You're not going to fold anymore? You're not going to do none of them Fs? <laughs> I was literally used to you having an effed up life. Fold, freeze, flight, fight. I'm not cussing. That's what Nancy's here for. I, I'm, I'm used to you responding with the Fs. I, I didn't expect this fifth F to come into play, which is freedom. That's never been a part of your narrative. But, but now you're, you're out of here and you can say, wow, all of this has happened, but here's how I think about it. I'm going to be a different type of person. They're, they're going to hold you because there's some people that are just in love with your dysfunction. Okay. Now, let me just say this. In, in, in this revelation, uh, I by no means feel like the last three and a half years of our church has been disingenuine or in some way not authentic. Uh, uh, I, I believe uh, we've done some great things and some things have been amazing here and God has moved. He's been super gracious to us and I love it. So I'm not trying to say like, amen. Like, like I don't think that it's, 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 it's been bad. What the Lord has, has really been speaking to me more than anything is that, that, that the trauma has hindered me from, from really being me just leading the way that I lead uh, without always thinking about something back here or expressing myself the way I express myself without always thinking about something uh, back here. And, and as uh, God showed me uh, how to, uh, through, through this particular passage, uh, uh, overcome this, then I just said, well, Lord, I, then I want to do it this way then. And, and so here's what I want to tell you. And I want to tell you this because that third, that third uh, point uh, can, can feel a little icky. Like, that, that, there's going to be some people that hold me in contempt or, 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 or despise the fact that, that, that I want to be free. Uh, most people, when they get a revelation or, or, or they're enlightened, they have an aha moment, right? They, they have a big breakthrough uh, uh, in, 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 in something God is showing them. They, they become really rude, right? Like, I'm different now. And if you don't like it, you can leave. 
Nobody's going to talk to me like this anymore. Just crabby and distasteful. I, 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 I want to I, I be very, very careful in, in um, communicating to you what this change means. Uh, and the reason why I've taken the whole month is because I don't think I can really unpack it in uh, one service. Because I don't even know what I'm prepared uh, to do, be, say, what that means in change for leadership for me. This is going to be something that's unfolding for me. What I'm telling you up, up front is I'm giving myself permission to do that. I'm giving myself permission to go there. Um, um, and as it unfolds over the next few weeks, the next few months, th there may be some things uh, in, in, a, in a healthier expression of me that might be off-putting to you. I don't know. But if that happens, I just want you to know you have my permission to go, I, you know what? Mm. Mm -mm, no. No, thank you, Tim. I won't be upset with you. I won't be angry with you. I won't be salty towards you. I won't be petty and like put you in the next message. And <laughs> I'm not going to do any of that stuff. But, but I do want you to know that, that I'm, I'm on a journey right now. And I'm being very uh, honest, open, and transparent with you. I'm being as vulnerable as I can with you that I'm on a journey. Um, uh, the, the scales are out, and I'm going to let him speak to me in a new way that's not informed by my trauma. It's not informed by pain. It's not informed by uh, experiences in the past. I'm going to get parts of me that, that I left in places where, 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 where people abused it, and I'm just going to get it. It's mine. And so I'm not, I don't want to leave anything that was good for me and to me in a place that was done bad to me. I, I want all of me back. And so I'm just going to go on a tour <laughs> and get all of me back. And, uh, and, and again, once I get all of me back, you may like me still, and you may be like, that's too much. That's too much of you. You should have left two things to that back. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I'm just telling you now. I'm giving myself permission to do that. I want to give you permission to do uh, what you need to do as well. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information on our church, please go to www.embassycity.com. We would love to hear from you. Our prayer is that you have been inspired and transformed. Have a wonderful day and come back again.